0: Welcome back, y'all, as we continue on with our journey through Genesis with chapter 39. In 39 verse 1, it continues with, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Fadiphar, an Egyptian officer. Fadiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So basically, he was Pharaoh's secret service chief. In verse 2, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except for what kind of food to eat. So Joseph... Is in a stuck situation. He was sold into slavery by his family, and he intentionally, faithfully, and obediently follows God and gives God the glory in all he does, even in slavery. And he never, he doesn't, it doesn't say that he's dwelling on his hardship. He just got up and got to work. And at 17, that says a lot. Attitude is everything. In the worst situation, he simply did his best and God honored him. And he became—he ultimately will become a leader. But first, he's a servant. And we'll continue here. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. So basically, he's a hottie totty, y'all. In verse 7, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me and everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So he... He is a hottie toddy, and he's being tried and tempted in the trials of beauty and lust and These are very empty and dangerous trials, but he stands firm and says no and he he went from a favored son when he left his family, and was sold into slavery, he was favored. And now he has become a servant, but he is honoring God in his service. And he's putting God first before everything. And just like Jesus, Jesus was a servant. He came to earth and became a servant to us, and he served people. And he ultimately is the king over all of us. And God has raised him into a place of great honor. He's his son. And Joseph being respectful and honorable, God is building his character in this. God had allowed him to be sold to protect his calling and character. And he honors and and he honors trust. And Potiphar has trusted him with everything in his house. And he speaks the facts out loud, saying, No, I am not going to do this he trusts me and I'm not going to break that trust. And he says this would be a great sin against God. He knows what would be at stake and he doesn't give in to the temptation. At 17, his refusal is founded on God and God alone. And his faith is holding him through this. And he knows that God is honoring him and blessing him, and he doesn't want to do anything that would cause sin against God. And that says a lot about the character that God is building within him. In verse 10, it continues, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. So temptation came to him. He was trying everything he could to avoid this, but in he, it came to him. And in response, he ran. He's like, no way, I'm out of here. But he loses his cloak again. He seems to have an issue with cloaks and losing them. And it's again, similar to Jesus. He His garments were taken from him when he was being crucified in verse 13 it continues when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he and he had fled she called out to her servants soon all the men came running look she said my husband has brought this hebrew slave here to make fools of us he came into my room to rape me but i screamed when he heard me scream he ran outside and got away but he left his cloak behind with me she kept a cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. And that Hebrew slave, you brought him into the, our house, tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. So Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph and how Joseph had treated her. He he trusted Joseph. So when he hears this, he's he's broken up a bit. And Joseph is being falsely accused but he he didn't do anything. He was running away. And she's lying and deceiving her husband. In verse 20, it continues. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So he still is just getting to work and being a good human. Even when he's falsely accused, he's still with God and God is still with him. And he's giving God all the glory and God is giving him honor in favor and he committed to be a kick butt slave and prisoner right where he was. He gave in intentionally and he gave God the glory in all he did. Rather than sitting there and pouting and whining or complaining about his circumstances. He did everything that he did to honor God. And he is favored or that, and God is with him in every single moment of these situations. It continues in chapter forty, verse one. Some time later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became very angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was. And in the palace, the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. He cared for people. He he has God's character, and he reflects that in the people around him. In verse 5, While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. And they replied, We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So again, I'm going to pause. He brings God into every single thing. God gets the intention in every conversation that he has. And his awareness of God in all things, it really changes how you look at things in life. And he is very God-focused and God-centered. In verse 9, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a vine in front of me. The vine had three branches and began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me, and do me a favor when things go well before you. Mention me to Pharaoh, so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I am here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too, and in my dream there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but all the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. Three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh." Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph never giving him another thought. So Joseph is eventually going to become the second most powerful person on earth at that time after going from pit to pit to pit. But he trusts God's plan and he trusts God's promises and he trusts God. And he is pleading and begging to be remembered. He feels forgotten and he's stuck in this prison and he didn't deserve to go there. And he he attaches his hope to the cupbearer in this situation. And he has his hope in the cupbearer to bring the outcome. Instead of God, his hope shifts to the cup care, care cupbearer in this. And when we attach our hope to an outcome of our own making, we can lose hope. And God's timing was super crucial in this situation because he needed to get him to a place where he'd have an audience with Pharaoh and ultimately become in charge of all the food supply. So God's working this out and God's going to do it in God's time. And Joseph, he just needs to continue to trust God and be patient with God to put his plan in motion. And this again, parallels with Jesus suffering. Jesus just did not deserve to suffer for our crimes or the crimes of others. And he did, and he was crucified so that we could have life. And he took that on himself. And we have a cupbearer and a bread baker, just like Jesus, when he had his final supper before his crucif- crucifixion, had communion with his disciples and he had bread and wine. And he said, remember me. And It's so important to remember God and not forget. And he had two priests or two people, two thieves on the cross with him, one on the right, one on the left. And one ended up believing in Jesus and said, remember me. And Jesus said, I'll meet you in heaven. And he put his faith in Jesus. And the other one did not. And the other one ended up dying without salvation. And just like here, we have the cupbearer who is honored and the the baker who ends up dying and the cupbearer is restored and given life and the baker is killed and when the one thief re- received jesus as a savior he was restored and given life and this is such a huge parallel parallel to jesus and his sufferings and the communion supper where he offered the bread and wine and the new covenant that he offered us with the new life of Jesus. So that sums up chapters 39 and 40. We'll continue on this journey tomorrow. I hope you're all having a most wonderful day.